0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Just like the guy said, 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me is Drinking Joe Heim. He's he's chugging a beer right now. Just got done. Hey, not, thank you. Not, yeah, right. It would be. Thank nice you if for I that beer. It, it yeah, it would be nice if I gave you a beer, right? Uh, Joe, Johan Just he, he, he. I I made him come in here, and. He was over ready to watch Governor Evers at UW-La Lacrosse, where you used to work, and maybe you still work there a little bit. Uh, bit. Do they give you an office still, or no office? No, no I, office. I gave up my office. Okay, gave up your office. Yeah. So then, no, you don't work there. Um, and then I made you come down here before even before the governor even <laughs> got to, before the governor even got to speak. So I, I'm sorry about that.
1: I was billed as the governor, and it turned out it was let's see, legislators, uh, attorney general. Lieutenant governor candidate, uh, who am I missing here? Oh, uh, third congressional candidate. So everybody got to speak before the governor, and uh, including the lieutenant governor candidate uh, Rodriguez. So. Uh,
0: oh I, yeah, lieutenant, Okay, Rodriguez. Hey, I was thinking like.
1: You beat out the governor by getting me down here. Before <laughs> right, you spoke. More important.
0: Either, yeah. it's either I either I beat out the governor because I got you down here or your head's so large that you're like, I'm going to take an hour to go talk on the radio myself hey. rather than. Sure. <laughs> so Joe Himes in here. Obviously, we're a couple days away from the election cycle ending here. That's how I got to say it now because we we vote, you know, for we, we have early voting. So the election isn't Tuesday. It ends Tuesday. The election yeah. cycle is how I, I try to say that most of the time. <coughs> and uh, and. I don't know, how you feeling about just the, the are, are you exhausted? You're obviously, and I should say, you're a retired political science professor at uw lacrosse
1: I, I enjoy elections, I always have. This one, however, I think I might be a little bit glad when it's over with.
0: And is, is, that, a, is that odd, because this is a midterm election. This is kind of the, whew, I mean, it's the, it's a partisan election, yes. And there's a governor on the ballot, yes, mm-hmm. on you know, in my state too, Minnesota. But is that scary for two years from now? What's going to (laughs) happen?
1: Well, that's part of the unknown. Uh, We have never had a presidential candidate or a presidential winner or loser who has not conceded the day of the night within a day or two of the election. Uh, And I I assumed, like a lot of other people, we were just going to go on to the next cycle, and instead we're sort of revolving and working the 2020 elections. You hear about it almost every day.
0: Yeah, and- we have, We, I mean, we actually have people running in other, in in elections right now that are still, I don't, I, I you know, I want to say, is it Carrie Lake or somebody like that yeah. in Arizona? Well, she wouldn't say that uh, she would concede the election if she lost. She just kind of said, I will, if I win the election, it'll be legit. And then essentially left the door open to, if she doesn't win the election, uh, we're, we're, I don't know, are you worried about democracy? Yeah, you have to be a little bit. Uh,
1: when so many people are running that essentially deny the results of the last election, and if they don't win, then it's a, a false election or a fake election or a fraud, that's that's worrisome. Uh, just because you win doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you know you did everything right, but if you lose, uh, it means you did something wrong. That's yeah, how you lose. It, but it, uh, the, the, the fact is it's... Uh, the the losers have been trained. I hate to say it that way, but they've been trained to say it's a fraud. I really won the election, and uh, you know they they won this election by fraudulent
0: means, despite all the evidence. It's comical too because if and I don't know. Are you hearing Democrats say this? Are Democrats being trained to do this too? Do you think? I, have, no, I don't. No, no I okay.
1: very few Democrats are talking like that, and mainly it's because of Donald Trump in twenty twenty. Okay, so uh, what you do hear, however is that there have been candidates in the past that were not happy about the results. Yeah. Uh, Hillary Clinton in 2016 uh, felt that the, re- the, uh, the Russians were involved in the election. She didn't say it was a fraudulent election, but she was not real pleased with the results because the Russians were involved. And this has happened, I think, in Georgia. Uh, a can- Democratic candidate four years ago uh, accused the, the winner of uh, of. Suppressing votes basically, and otherwise she would have won. Is
0: that the governor for yeah. the go- uh, yeah yeah what's her name I forgot uh, oh a- anyway, yeah. Um it, it's comical too because the way this goes when you when you say the election was fraud and uh, if you didn't win in twenty twenty the election was fraud but also there's people in your party in, in in probably in the same state like a congressional race here if you you didn't win it was fraud but your your partner over there he won. Yeah. So is it only fraud for you and not for the other guy? We're in the same, you know, the same ballot.
1: Yeah, it's uh, kind of like uh, heads I win, tails you lose. It's different then.
0: And um, are, you know, and if it's Republicans saying this, are Democrats so maniacal, devious, smart, and calculated that they can go and pick and choose which elections that they wanted to intentionally lose yeah. And intentionally or, or illegally win, I guess, right? Like, If, uh,
1: if you take the presidential election off of the 2020 ballot and look at the results down ballot, in other mm-hmm. words, governor races, Senate races, uh, you will see that the Republicans did quite well. A hell of a lot better, frankly, than the presidential candidate that they had. A lot of people, in other words, whether they liked it or not, they voted for a Democratic presidential candidate and then switched to the Republicans down ballot. Yeah. The result was Republicans did extremely well. Well, that's, those, what,
0: that's those, what I'm saying. That's, yeah. The Democrats are so maniacal that they they conceded elections down ballot, but they wanted the president. So they,
1: the argument is somehow those computers are able to flip the Trump votes to Biden, but <laughs> left all the other ones okay. Well, we're, we're, you
0: know. We're not doing any justice by talking about this right now either. It's it's a weird thing, but I asked you if you're worried about democracy, and now here here we are talking about 2020 again. Uh, Joe Haim is going to sit in here for the hour. If you have questions, 608 785 7914. Um, I do want to talk about some of the local races and then just kind of spread out, but I want to keep, if we can, you know, statewide races. Obviously, the governor's race, I want to get your opinion on um, how you think that's going to go and, uh, you know, the U.S. Senate race and beyond. We'll be back. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Lacrosse Talk. Meeting. The show off the air is just as good as on the air. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Joe Heim Emeritus, is that the word? Yeah, Emeritus, that word. did I get it right? It means I'm retired. Yeah, retired. Yeah, you, but you like retired. Retired professor at uw lacrosse political scientist, and, uh, okay, I like to just do a quick bio. How long have had you done that at UWL? Do you know? I, I always
1: say about 45 years, but I haven't counted too well. Uh, the, 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 you have to know this if you know me. I came here in 1968 and taught for three years, okay, with yep. a master's degree only. And then I went back for my Ph.D., and it took about four years. I came back here in 75, you know, 1975, totally by accident. It was not planned. It was never... In the cards, and you know, the grease schedule. You're kind of like the
0: Secretary of State. What's ah. his name? Lafollette, right? I, he was yeah. here for a while, and then he left, and then he came back. Yeah. So his like term is he's been the Secretary of State for what since Forever. the 80s, but there was a there was a, a hiatus yeah. there in the middle. So <laughs> I don't know if you like being. Uh, I think he
1: ran. I think he ran for something else, like governor, and then didn't make it, and then he went back to his old job and
0: held it ever since. Should the Secretary of State race be a nonpartisan race? We were kind of talking before the show about nonpartisan mm, that's, races? That's
1: a good question.
0: Um, the, well, the way, they want, the, the way the Republicans want to flip it if they win the seat uh, the, is, makes it pretty partisan.
1: Yeah, it's, it, I think it has, the, the argument really has to do with elections, who should, how they should run elections, who should be in charge of them. Right now we have an election commission that's bipartisan. There's three Democrats, three Republicans. Frankly, I think that's the way it ought to be.
0: Okay. Did you <laughs> do you like that better than the what is it called the gab the the governmental
1: accountability board? Yeah. The... Actually, I like that better because it was considered a national role model for other states. It yeah. Was it... Really well run. It was very. But the only thing is they investigated a uh, who a guy who became governor, uh, Scott Walker, and uh, a lot of Republicans didn't like that, so they dumped that. Even though it was considered a role, national role model, and they went with the, uh, the the election commission that we have
0: today, because it was nonpartisan, the the GAB, yeah. the Government Accountability Board, nonpartisan. Because this is a big deal. Like if you if you want to talk about like the maybe the most important uh, race in the, this upcoming election or the ongoing election, it might be Secretary of State. I mean, if yeah, if, it, if one if one party wins, they're going to change and give the part all to one Republican, and if the, another party wins, they're going to leave it to a non a bipartisan board.
1: Yeah, right. I, Isn't that kind of how that's working? Yeah, that's pretty much it. They that's what they said they're going to do.
0: Yeah. Um, the bipart the Wisconsin election commission. It, it is kind of funny. You say you like it, but but it is three on three. So anytime mm-hmm. anything comes up for vote, they're just going to vote three on three. <laughs> you know, like if it's, it's just if it's a comical.
1: partisan issue.
0: Right. It's but, stupid. But,
1: if you go back to the 2020 election, a <clears throat> majority of that board, I don't know, I think it was five, well, anyway, it was four or five, some of the Republicans voted for loosening up some of the election rules because of COVID. You know, you had a lot of thousands of people in Wisconsin who were questioning whether they should go to the, you know, a November election. So they, well, I know
0: everyone in here thinks that I'm going to get COVID now because you're coughing on me. No, I'm just yeah.
1: kidding. <laughs> I had my shot, so I don't think it's going. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it's it, it uh, was an unfortunate election. I I'm not sure. Some states have the secretary of state running elections. The problem is if you imply that that person can control the election, that's different than uh, than simply overseeing the election.
0: Yeah, I also think it's funny when we have a committee in Iowa. There's a committee, and it's three. It's a three-person panel, and there's, they often vote on giant like. Just huge, and I couldn't give you any examples because I'm just thinking of this off the top of my head. And I'm like, wow, those three people, just three people, get to decide this sweeping uh, issue in Iowa. And I just think that's not enough. That doesn't feel like enough people. The Wisconsin election committee is six people at least. Yeah. At least we have a little bit more of an opinion of more, a couple more opinions. But when you whittle it down to one person, I don't. That's crazy talk. I think. Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, you don't want that. At least I don't think so.
0: Um. Okay, so the Secretary of State on the ballot, uh, La Follette, and I don't even, I only know it's La Follette because he wears a funny hat sometimes and he's been around. And he went to Africa right in the middle of the campaign season, which I loved. He was like, eh, I already had this trip planned, but also like, I don't need to campaign all the time. Like this is like, people probably get sick of seeing me if I just, you know, tour the state or wherever I'm going to go on my safari in Africa. Um, some other races here, you called it the courthouse races, clerk of courts, county clerks treasurer those are all in the ballot too yep. I, and nobody nobody probably doesn't know anything about any of those people or even what they do a lot Wait. i even i even reached out to somebody who's trying to write a running campaign a writing campaign here for mm-hmm. one of those positions and yeah, I, on a, I, this know, is, is how mean. bad i am and i was like yeah we could come in you could ca- talk about the elections and she's like no i'm actually the i think she was the clerk of courts I think She's the current clerk, of course, in, yeah. in the county. She lost in
1: a primary, believe
0: it yeah. or not. And then, uh, and I was like, oh, and then she was just kind of like, yeah, it happens, everyone who makes that mistake. And then that was kind of the end of the, the talk because I think it would be probably impossible to try to re- win a writing campaign in a countywide race with a governor on the ballot. You would have yeah. to do that in April, and it had to be a non there,
1: There's so many important decisions above that. By the time you get down to that, you're going to vote for the incumbent or a person that you recognize. Uh, yeah. Or some of you, know, some got your attention. Some or the or D and before. the R, right? Yeah, you're, you're not really, likely going to be writing the name.
0: It's it. like a cheat sheet now. These races, and then the sheriff's race is also uh, partisan. You know, I, I, I've <coughs> asked, i you know, we've talked about it quite a bit. Should the sheriff's race be partisan? Should the sheriff's race be an elected position at all? Uh, do you have an opinion there?
1: It's, uh, I, I understand why it's an elected position.
0: Okay, why if
1: people in Wisconsin. That wrote that write the laws and progressives of the early 20th century believe in democracy and the more people that vote the better. You know we actually had uh, in some states you have the uh, dog catcher which is an elected position believe it or not in some places. Okay. Register of deeds, these are administrative positions, but in Wisconsin we've generally favored elections of people. In other words, the the founders said let's put as many of these positions in the hands of voters and let them decide. Now maybe. It, after you get down to the 15th or 16th person, you know, you go, oh, I, by the way, I will tell you something interesting. You do this. I, anybody want to listen to this? Number of people voting for governor. I'm just going to give it exact. A thousand people. Yep. Number of people voting for uh, Secretary of State. 800 people. Number of people voting for Congress. 700 people. Number of people voting for cl- clerk of courts. 400. You kind of get what's what I'm All in the same saying? ballot, yeah. Oh, yeah. People drop off. They will go down to ballot and vote for the important ones that they really want to pay attention to and then frankly uh five minutes into both is like too much for some people well, and they go ah i'm I'm
0: done I'm out of here in my in, in the past when it was me and before I really got into the stuff sports reporter Rick I'll, I'll I'll say this is sports reporter Rick when he was just into sports a lot um I would get to those down ballot, and it'd be like a school board member or something like that and didn't <laughs> have anyone in this in the schools so I was like I don't and B I don't know who these people are and it's really hard to find you know out in Houston County it's really hard to find some rhetoric from a school board member mm. online to read about you know what their stances are on we have uh, county commissioner races right now you know I'm seeing a couple of signs I'm like well who is he running against you know I see one sign and then I have to go look it up and and I'm like wow there's not a whole lot on these people so I in the past I was like I don't feel right about voting for in an especially in a nonpartisan race, at least now I have a cheat sheet. I can go R or D, right? If I'm if I'm uh, partisan, <laughs> but in the in these nonpartisan races, I'm like I don't feel like uh, I'm comfortable voting for a school board member that I know absolutely nothing about. So I just left it up to the people that are affiliated with the schools. But now I've learned like, oh yeah, you know what? Those those people affiliated with the schools, or or myself not affiliated with the schools, well, all that affects <laughs> all that affects. Me, down the road, right, like, because uh, obviously these people are <coughs> determining things for our, for our children in our schools, which will happen 20 years into the future, right? So it is kind of important.
1: In, in Wisconsin, the fall elections are partisan, the spring elections are nonpartisan. If you looked at the number of people that vote in the fall elections, it's always going to be higher than the spring elections. Yeah. If we get 30% in a spring election, that's doing pretty well. The reason is, of course, you have to look at the candidates, you have to look and pay a little bit of attention to it because you don't have an R and D in back of their name.
0: Right. So yeah. it
1: either requires a little bit of homework on your part. And by the way, the Tribune and radio and TV do help out a little bit and get the names out. But essentially, a lot of times you go, "Oh, I recognize that name. I think I'll vote
0: for that person." Or the signs in the yard or something yeah. like that. Is it yard signs? It, do, yeah. do those work? Do you think they minimally? Minimally, okay. <clears throat> what about what else? If it's not if it's not getting your name on the internet somehow, I mean. I mean, how much like social media, I, I really appreciate it when a candidate has something on their social media or their own yeah. candidacy social media. Cause I can actually see what, if they're, if they're, what they're putting on their social media, because if it's okay, they're talking about issues, they're talking about solving issues, they're bringing up issues, or are they just mad about, you know, something that's happening and there's no, cause I want, I want solutions to problems. I don't want you to just r- regurgitate the problems.
1: Yeah, well, nowadays that is one of the helps. You know, voting for spring elections especially, you've got to do a lot of homework. Now, the the websites, the uh, the social media really help a lot in that regard. However, the number of people that actually go to those sites is not very high.
0: That's Joe Haim. He's a retired UW LaCrosse political science professor. He just got back from almost watching Governor Tony Evers speak, who's probably wrapping up right now at UW LaCrosse. Mandela Barnes was, yet- did you go down and see Mandela yesterday? No, I didn't. And then I believe Ron Johnson is actually at the GOP headquarters until maybe maybe like five. maybe five. No, it is 5.30. I think might be, he might be wrapping up now. I think he did like a quick hitter, like 35 minutes at the GOP headquarters, 35, 40 minutes. Um, his bus tour is hitting like all the places right now. Uh,
1: yeah, he's making the uh, rounds around the entire state.
0: Um, it is funny in over in Minnesota. Uh, the the Republican governor candidate is making the rounds too in an airplane or a jet or whatever. They're flying <laughs> to the like they they were at the Winona Airport yesterday of wow. all of all the places. The like you've, if you've ever been to Winona, the Winona Airport is not like I mean the Lacrosse no. Airport's small, but it it's nothing like the Winona Airport. Yeah. I wouldn't even know yeah. where. Uh, like. Even I don't know. It just seemed very, very odd that the uh, Republican candidate is flying around the state, landing at these tiny airports.
1: Right, you're trying to cover a lot of territory in a short amount of time. That's yeah, Minnesota. Kind of it's do it. a little
0: difficult, I guess. Yeah. You got a <clears throat> you got a helicopter around or airplane around. All right, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the talk text line if you want to get in here. Joe Heim, retired U of Lacrosse political science professor, is in here. Uh, we're just ranting and riffing on the election cycle. It's coming to an end, and then the new one will start. And the new one will start probably Wednesday, and we'll start hearing about Supreme Court in Wisconsin. Don't, <laughs> I don't know.
1: What... Don't, we ought to get a break or two, don't you think? They ought to have at least a week off before they jump into the next race. I
0: know. Uh, I know it was maybe two weeks after I got Ron Kind after he won two years ago. And I think he was on with, I, I think he was on with Tregoski and I. So the UWL's, you know, he your replacement, so to speak. And we asked him if he was going to retire. You know, he's 2 weeks into his first, you know, his his term. Yeah. And he's oh. like, "Oh, Rick, it's pretty early to be t- Can we can I I just got done with this very tough election cycle, probably the toughest of his career. Yeah, If not, you know, it maybe the first one was his toughest, but uh he's like, "Can we just take a break?" But we were right. He was retiring. We were we were exactly right. I call. Yeah. It. Um Okay, can we just stick with that race for a minute? The, sure. the third sure. I like to call it the third the third U.S. House race district. We call it the congressional district, but Congress is Congress, the House is the House. So, uh, do you have any feelings there? We should be calling it the U.S. House race. Mm, Your tradition. I think
1: yeah. The Congress is technically Congress is both the U.S. Senate and right. the House of Representatives, but uh, we always talk about. Senate, u.s Senator so-and-so and a congressman or congresswoman so yeah we never
0: call yeah. a senator a congressman doesn't fit anyway it's so. just a weird it's a weird we just' didn't, do we need to name it the assembly instead of the house is that would it work better then like in Wisconsin some states it is yeah well in Wisconsin right it yeah. works better uh in Minnesota it's a house <laughs> and Senate um okay so we have Brad Path running as a Democrat he's a senator in his state and then we have Derek Van Orden running in the Republican race. Uh, Two very different strategies here, wouldn't you say?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Very, very different. Um, Van Van Orden ran two years ago and lost by about 10,000 votes, roughly 52-48, to an incumbent congressman.
0: Yeah, an incumbent. That was
1: considered a year that was more democratic than this year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he basically did pretty well. He did carried a lot of the rural areas. Uh, In fact, one of those people talking earlier today said that his margin was 10,000 votes. He got 13,000 margin votes. Out of La Crosse County. In other words, you could you could claim that uh, Ron Kine won the last election because he carried his hometown.
0: town. Carried La Crosse County. Yeah. Uh, so
1: that's uh, I mean that that gave a lot of Republicans impetus to thinking, hey, we the, uh, we came pretty close this time. Let's run the same guy. And uh, uh, you know, it's a huge district, by the way. It's a large district.
0: It's a dumb it's it's the dumbest district. It's it it doesn't it's not a it's not a square, it's not a circle. I call it the bicep district because it goes and reaches over and grabs Stevens Point. We gotta go reach in what used to be we gotta go reach the the Democratic, you know, UW Stevens Point crowd and grab them Democrat votes to get them away from the other districts and gerrymandering happens. But it's so funny how this has worked out for Republicans is we've grabbed that district. But now it doesn't work that way anymore because there's, there's rural, the rural voters are, are coming out probably. They're, they're probably voting more.
1: The rural voters are, are not only they're voting more, but they're more likely to vote Republican. There was a time, if you went back just a little ways, uh, a lot of rural voters would be Democrats. They've been shifting to the Republican Party in the last couple of decades. I, I will tell you that I was told off the record that in 2010... Well, you can't say
0: this, this period, if it was off the record.
1: Oh, Oh, then I won't say it. No, I'm just kidding. No. they they uh, shifted votes. Uh, the seventh district, which is the northern part of the, the state, mm-hmm. w- was under the control of Dave Obey, Democrat, for decades. Okay, and then every uh, Sean Duffy won a Republican won that district, but it was still relatively close. It could have gone either way. So my understanding is that uh, they always thought the third was pretty safe for the Democrats. So let's move. Some Republican voters up into the seventh district. Let's move some Democratic voters, we'll grab Stevens Point, into the third congressional, and we'll live happily ever after. What what changed over the years is that the rural vote has become more Republican, and what used to be a safe district, the third congressional district for Democrats, is clearly a purple district and can go either direction.
0: Okay, if you're if you're a Democrat, and Brad Pfaff is a state senator, and we know how close the Senate is to getting a supermajority. In the grand scheme of things, is it safer for Brad Path to retain his Senate seat? Because if Brad Path wins the House seat, and we think the House is going to flip anyway, and he stays as a senator, at least there won't be a special election. Because that race was closer as well, right? Kapanki, Brad Path. Oh, yeah, very close. So I don't know. This is just th- I'm throwing a theory at you. This is what you guys yeah. do as political scientists, right? Is it better if you're a Democrat for Brad Paff just to retain – a Democrat in Wisconsin, let's say, to yeah. retain that? I
1: think they're assuming that in two years you don't really know what the lay of the land is going to be. You can't make that kind of a judgment. Uh, and I'm sure Brad – I'm sure he thought about it, but uh, – Reality is, you don't know in two years what what it's going to be like. Well, Who's, there's who the opponent's going to be makes a big difference.
0: Well, there's no penalty for him running because, like Mandela oh. Barnes runs, yeah, for Senate, he can't run for Lieutenant Governor, so he has to give up oh. his his yeah. Lieutenant Governor position. So, you know, and I would say that I think a lot of people missed out on on just running for Lieutenant Governor because they like how often does a incumbent governor mm. stay right? Like an incumbent governor <laughs> is running. And the lieutenant governor leaves. That's got to be that's got to be pretty unusual. Pretty unusual. Yeah. So I would say that a lot of people probably missed out on running as a lieutenant governor, whether it be the Republican side or the Democratic side, because you're just you're kind of getting a free ride.
1: I think if you ask most voters who's running as a Democratic lieutenant governor candidate or a Republican <laughs> lieutenant governor candidate, most people are not going to know their name.
0: Yeah, Sarah Rodriguez, I know because yeah. you just said it a couple minutes yeah. ago. But Senator anyway.
1: Roth is a Republican.
0: But anyway, getting back to yeah, so. But but if Brad Pfaff were to win the the house seat, then there's a special election yeah. now for that Senate yeah, seat, or six months for now, and we kind of know the lay of the land. So, and we know how the last election went for Brad Pfaff. So there's no penalty for Pfaff running. I get that, but is yeah. the penalty would be if he wins, then Wisconsin might that Senate supermajority seat would maybe potentially flip. Well,
1: yeah, the right now the the state Senate is within one vote. One can't, in other words, if the Republicans pick up one seat, yeah. it will be a, a veto-proof Senate. The real question is what's going on in the House of Representatives, in other words, the Assembly.
0: And that's, uh, and that's need, likely the, not. Yeah,
1: the uh, the Republicans need to pick up, I believe, five seats in order to be, get, get to 66. Yeah. So it's a little bit uh, more of a stretch.
0: It's kind of a non-sequitur then, because if yeah. the Senate is supermajority, it doesn't really matter, because the Assembly would have to do that, yeah. too, and the, the odds of that happening are pretty slim.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's slimmer on that side. It's one of the reasons that the Doyle race has become so important statewide, because they the Republicans have picked out five or six districts that they think there's a good chance they could win. There is a chance they could get to the 66 veto uh, proof They're doing this as kind of a, an insurance policy if Evers wins. Obviously, if uh, Michaels wins, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have that kind of a problem. But uh, it's kind of a version of an insurance policy that if Evers wins... They they can go for the uh, super majority and uh, possibly override vetoes.
0: It's funny, like the the way you say that too. The the the, the party, the state party, gets is deciding which races they want to invest in. Right? That's yeah, kind of yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. You didn't say invest, but that's it because we've we've changed the rules over the past couple of years, where a party can take in as much money. The Re- Republican Party of Wisconsin, the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, can take in as much money as they want. Right? There's no limits. Yeah. And then they get to – then they're the, kind of like the overseers. We'll decide who we want to distribute the money to. It seems – it's very itchy to me.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't like it, when, it. It sounded like a good idea. Let's let the parties have more influence in the elections as opposed to individuals spending huge amounts of money. But the reality is it's now created a, an environment where the parties have become more important. And they distribute huge amounts of money, and they can do that, frankly. Yeah. So they're, uh, the parties have taken on a greater role in the state of Wisconsin – in terms of campaigns, what it also Harvard does is create an environment where you don't want to cross your party in the assembly or in the Senate. You because uh, they could cut you off, frankly.
0: Yeah, you gotta you gotta s- s- walk the line essentially, yeah. or stay in line, or something like that. You so, can't you can't buck the party too much because yeah.
1: party discipline used to be a kind of a, a loose word. Now it's become more important. Yeah, As when you they know if uh, if they don't like what you're doing or you're not you don't support the party enough. Uh, they can control your money.
0: So did they trick you years ago? And Because you said you were kind of into this idea, the idea that the parties would you could take I, in as much money as they the want. At the
1: time, I thought it was like, give the parties a little more influence because, frankly, a lot of candidates could ignore the political party. I mean, they're on their own. But uh, it's turned out to be more of a, of a disciplinary thing, that the, the parties can discipline candidates and uh, make them toe the line. I'm not is, sure I like that
0: I guess, there is a world and we're living in it right now where some people running in parties are crazy. And I don't, I don't, I don't know about Wisconsin, but you go to Georgia, I feel like Herschel Walker's a little loopy. Um, uh, and I'll just name Republicans because you can, you can throw some Democrats at me, but yeah. uh, Taylor Green, she seems a little crazy the way she talks. Uh, Herschel Walker's, I think Herschel Walker just has like maybe some mental d- disabilities from his football days, but um, so there is there is a world where the party could, could would control some of that money and therefore they could could reel back because those people they don't want those people to win that 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 race. But that's not right. what's happening. So well, we're not uh, we're not seeing that. It's either. pretty
1: clear that uh, if, if you listen that you know the stuff doesn't make the front pages, but uh, the parties have millions of dollars at the national level. They allocate that money based on uh the they first of all they want to protect their own kind. So they make sure that uh, anybody, any Republican or Democrat in the district which is could shift to the other right. party, they they get state, they get national money from the National Republican Party, and by the way, there's committees that do this stuff as well. So it's kind of a complicated sort of a thing, but the reality is, the national parties have a greater degree of influence on campaigns than they used to. Yeah, and uh, some people think that uh, disciplined political parties that are organized and have a, a, a set set of principles that they all follow is a good thing. In, in the United States, I think we've always been pretty good with having relatively looser political parties. You know, there's a moderate wing, a conservative wing, a middle of the road wing. I, I mean, it's kind of a the parties used to be made up of coalitions of people from two or three different types. Increasingly today, the parties have become dominated by one of their wings. In other words. The Republicans have become a little more conservative over time. Democrats have become a little more liberal, and the result is they have a harder and harder time to get things done, both in Congress and in in uh, at at many state levels as well. We
0: need more parties, right?
1: Well, I'm not I'm not sure I'm a fan of multi-party. Well, enough, I was I, I sent this to. That's one of the theories that would. By the way, I'm a believer in the uh, final five voting, rank order voting. Rank, yeah, rank choice I, voting would I solve think, a lot of issues. I think. My opinion is political. As a political scientist, I think it would solve at least some of our problems. Yeah, it wouldn't solve them all. Nothing, nothing's going to solve. I all sent
0: the this. Problems. I do a podcast with William Garcia, the Democratic Party chair, and oh. I, I send him stuff. I'm like, "What is this?" Because I read this sentence: more than phil- four million voters in the small northern European Union. I think it was. It's Denmark. Mm-hmm. More than four million voters in Denmark uh, can choose among 14 parties, and yeah. I think they're doing that today. <laughs> 14 parties. So, like, I don't even know how that works. And then, how, if yeah. one party wins, then, what, what, you know, like, how does, how does that work? We're not going to get into European politics, but I just wanted to bring well, it up. It's, it's a question whether you
1: form your coalition before the election or after. Right. You're, you're, you're making deals. This is
0: kind of like that where you're the survivor, right? You've got to make deals with uh, somebody on the island. Yeah. Eventually, but at the end of the day, you're stabbing each other on the, in the back when there's yeah, only you know, two. Yeah, that's of sort
1: people. of what it comes down to when you have <laughs> multi party systems.
0: All right. That's Hugh Lacrosse, retired political science professor, Joe Haim. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back. We're just talking about—are uh, we talking about parliament? Is that what we're talking about? Kind yeah, of Danish European, parliament,
1: European politics,
0: European politics. That's you know. Sometimes I say the show off of the air is as good. And this part not because <laughs> we're talking about European politics. I'm curious though. I'm curious how it works. Um, Keith Knutson, the professor of a uh, he's, he's really studies that, that stuff, I think that he's really into that. And the, the window they have to campaign is only like three or six months long, which would be so nice if we, and the penalties, if they campaign outside that window are harsh. I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but I just remember reading and be like, wow, that's, those are really harsh. Maybe they're kicked out of being able to run if they, if they campaign out of that window, which would be kind of interesting if we did that here. Yeah. Uh, Most
1: people in, in the United States would favor shorter elections. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah. That would be great. But then again, maybe not for me because I got to talk for now oh. on, on this stuff. But Even then I heard... have
1: to talk about other topics. Uh, you're, local you're... government
0: or uh, <laughs> city government. Hey, I do that quite a bit, actually. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, your favorite, speaking of not local government at all, your favorite politician is coming to town at your school, UW Lacrosse Friday. Bernie Sanders is here. Are you excited? My
1: favorite. Oh, <laughs> God, I had no idea.
0: <laughs> is he your least favorite? I don't... Okay, I'll be mean, least I, favorite.
1: I'm not a fan of Bernie. I just. Uh, I don't think he's been particularly good for the Democratic Party over the years.
0: Is it over the years because he's been around a while? Is it since he ran? Yeah. Or
1: Technically, he is an independent. Yeah. But he identifies himself as a socialist. Yeah. And what he has, in my opinion, done is moved the Democratic Party towards a little more towards socialism than it otherwise would have been. Uh-huh. And he's become a major, hasn't been a major force in that party for quite some time.
0: You don't think he's been a major force? No, no, he has been. A oh, major he has force. been. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I, I would say... I mean, you see, have you seen the campaign stops he's making? Like in the in, over the yeah, next couple of days, it's on. It's incredible.
1: I my recollection is I don't recall anyway him doing this in the past. But uh, obviously, this election is important to him and the progressives of the Democratic Party, and that's when he's out there.
0: I've heard it's I've heard it's kind <laughs> of a lost cause to get college kids to vote. Now you you tell me when because Mandela went to the campus, Governor Evers went to the campus today. Bernie Sanders is going there Friday and then like the turnout for camp, for college kids is like under, it's like 15% or something like that. Is it, is it a lost cause to get these kids? No, they're not, not kids. No, but, not at all. I think, or is this a smart strategy I, by way? I then? think
1: college kids have become more influential over time and in lacrosse, by the way, if you go back into history, you're going to see that we have had a higher voter turnout from the at least in the 1980s onward. We've mm-hmm. had a student government, we've had uh, professors and others interested in getting a student vote out and we have done a pretty good job here doing that. And the chancellors here have really kept it going and helped out a little bit to make sure that we get a high turnout. It makes it makes a lot of sense. If you get a high turnout on a campus for a legislative seat or whatever, that person's gonna be more favorable to be blunt, more favorable towards that campus. So mm-hmm. getting the vote out on campus is an important thing.
0: But that's the that's the challenge yeah. is getting I, I yeah. wanna say
1: that it's more, it's, uh, I will tell you, it's more important in the fall election than in spring. Yeah. I think students, for like a lot of reasons, are not interested in school boards and county boards. Those things are kind of like. Well, and I dogs. was just
0: going to say, I think the turnout at UWL, the campus kids, because I think your the school put out a press release after the spring election that the, that was the highest turnout ever on campus.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I think they've done a real good job on this campus getting student turnout.
0: All right, that's, that's Joe Heim. I looked at the clock. We got to go. Thanks, Joe.
1: My pleasure.